0: I have a dad joke.
1: Okay, Robin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Am I qualified to say it? Okay.
1: We'll determine that in a minute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Where did the general put his army?
2: Where? Where? In
0: his (laughs) sleevey. no anyone anyone <laughs> you know
1: you can stick to producing you're really really good <laughs> at producing
3: you are a phenomenal producer robin no doubt about it
0: <laughs> all right i'm muting myself again
3: <laughs> Hi, Castlebarians. it is now time to have a casual conversation for the beneficial good of our community the show you are about to listen to is called What's Up, Castleberry? And now it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you your hosts, Andy
0: and Drew. Oh, and don't forget that lovely producer, Robin.
3: What's up, podcast listeners? It's episode number 84 of the What's up Castleberry podcast.
1: You know what 84 reminds me of? Is that a good year? No. Why? Well, oh, 1984. Yeah, I guess it was a good year. George Orwell book. Yes. Very That's chipper, not good. <laughs> upbeat subject. <laughs> yeah. It was a good year, though, for me. I was, I was nine. Oh, there you go. You guys nice. weren't even born yet. Were you yeah, in we 1984? Were we were not.
3: <laughs> well, listener... <laughs> the What's Up Castleberry podcast has been around for 84 episodes now. And we are thankful for you for coming in, tuning in, listening each and every week. If you are new to us, welcome. Andy and I, along with producer Robin, are Castleberry residents who love to talk about all things Castleberry for the good of our community. Uh, we love to have interviews and conversations with various guests about Castleberry related subjects. And to that point, today's conversation is a little bit different. We've gone just out outside the city limits to a sister city and have a conversation with a leader from Winter Springs. We're looking forward to that conversation uh, a little bit later. In fact, we had this gentleman on because it was uh, significant that he, in fact, admitted that a lot of what he learned in terms of getting citizen engagement came from <laughs> the good work of the <laughs> citizens
1: of Castleberry. So we're kind of tooting our own horn. That's right. We, uh, we want to be bridge builders, Drew, right? That's what we said from the beginning. And so uh, today we are building bridges and getting some other perspectives on our city from those outside our city in winter, spring. It's a great conversation. Stay tuned. That's right. Well, as of this recording, we're recording on a
3: Thursday afternoon. I'm wearing my UCF shirt. Football season is eventually back. If you're a football fan, go Knights. The UCF Knights play tonight. And it's uh, also football, F U T B O L season as well,
1: right, Andy? Well, football as football. Yes, I am wearing my Orlando City jersey as well because uh we want to remember that in the midst of college football real football is still going on (laughs) that's right that's right well speaking of things that
3: are real and things that are fake that ties in beautifully to the content of our dad joke of the week all right i'm up listeners with this one I don't Andy I'm not going to lie I, I chuckled and I shared this with some friends of mine I, I like it so I, I'm given a ahead of time compliment knowing the, the answer but you got to deliver it deliver it with the same passion that I do every week oh is is that what makes it funny <laughs> <laughs> it's a better chance of being funny that hey,
1: I will say there's a gentleman who listens to the show that I am friends with uh, he has sent me a dad joke every day for the past six or seven days and I don't know whether to Thank him or throw my phone away every time I get one. But it's very funny. Okay. All right. Here we go. What is the difference between Iron Man and Aluminium Man?
0: Can you give the uh, American English saying for oh. that?
1: Alu- yeah, I, what I, is I, aluminum? Aluminum. aluminum? Is. All right. Okay. All right. I forgot where this podcast was being broadcast to. That was for our international audience. What's the difference between Iron Man and what is it?
0: Aluminum. Aluminum.
1: What? Aluminum. What is the difference between Iron Man and Aluminum Man? What? (laughs) If Iron Man stops the bad guys, Aluminum Man just foils their plans. (laughs)
3: There it is, the dad joke of the week. Part of that, you got two jokes in one, listener. Not only did you get the contents of the joke between Iron Man and Aluminum Man, <laughs> you also got Andy's pronunciation of <laughs> aluminum. I, I could not repeat the way you said aluminum. aluminum.
0: <laughs> Aluminium. 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 <laughs>
1: Sounds no, like a- no you, everybody does that. When they try to say it the British way, they put an extra syllable in it. Say it again, Drew. Aluminium? it is now time for
3: your local update about things happening in your community it is now time for castleberry in the news we have two quick things to report first is a note of solace and a moment of sadness as uh, a local uh, minister Matt West, uh, he was the youth director at Castleberry Baptist Church on Seminole Boulevard, has unfortunately passed away from COVID-related complications. Matt was 44 years old. Uh, Andy, you and I got to know him uh, relatively recently, uh, did some things together and had some good conversations. We mourn with those who mourn, and uh, we reach out to Matt's wife and children. And just thinking about all those who are going through the difficult challenge uh, of losing somebody that has been affected by COVID.
1: Yeah, Matt also had the notorious honor of being another podcaster uh, from Castleberry as well. And he led a podcast called the Unnamed Podcast of Castleberry. So as far as we know, there are only two podcasts local to Castleberry, and Matt was a great voice on the other ones. Our condolences to his friends and family, and certainly all our friends and family at First Baptist Church as well. Absolutely. Thank you.
3: And a a little bit chipper subject and and really something that has stood out as being a very significant uh, purchase by the the city and a work that's very much in process is the old, what we call Castleberry House, now known as the Brightwater House. Andy, you were at the most recent meeting and kind of heard the conversations happening about what it is that the city of Castleberry desires to do with that property. Give us some kind of background and context for that meeting.
1: Yeah, it was fascinating. Just uh, last week, uh, the city held a kind of informational meeting just to socialize some of the potential ideas and potential concepts for that beautiful piece of property. Uh, I found out some interesting stuff. The house was built by Gamble Rogers, who's a very famous architect. It's about four or 5,000 feet, has a pool in the back. It's on the lake lots of room for for parking. It really is a beautiful place. The city got a great price for it, and they've got some very ambitious plans to turn it into an event center. Uh, Exactly what that looks like will be determined by a process that we as citizens will be able to speak into, but there was all kinds of wonderful ideas and concepts presented as we walked around the Castleberry Rec Center and reviewed and talked through some of those ideas. Another thing that was really encouraging to me, Drew, was that at the meeting, uh, honestly, I was just expecting there to be a handful of people there. There was probably around a hundred folks uh, who came in and out throughout the evening to learn more about the project, and that was another sign to me that we really do live in a community. We live in a community where people are engaged yes. and where people have a uh, have a voice in what happens, and they want to use that voice wisely. So that was that was really encouraging, and I uh, had numerous conversations with uh, many leaders. And we really talked about how establishing this as an event center really could be a catalytic project in our, our city that will will bring many things. Fantastic,
3: so, Andy. Is there what is the next step then in in this process? What,
1: I have no idea. Okay, sorry. I didn't know.
3: I didn't know if the city was going to say, okay, now at this point we do a vote or we
1: determine what kind of funds are going to go into the. I know they've bought the property, which is great, and I know that they've entered into a relationship with a kind of consultancy, conceptual potential architect relationship. But beyond that, I think the process is still to be determined. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that update, Andy,
3: and uh, that really segues perfectly into our next segment. And now from the Society of Historic Castleberry, this is History of Castleberry with Dr. Deborah Bauer.
0: Hi, this is Dr. Deborah Bauer with your Castleberry History in 90 Seconds. When the United States joined the Allied powers in fighting the aggression of Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan in December 1941, Hibbert Castleberry and the residents of the town of Castleberry immediately wanted to support the war effort. They held a meeting of the town council and the aldermen and they voted to go to war. In 1942, Castleberry traveled to Washington, D.C. to socialize with members of President Franklin D. Roosevelt's administration. Over the course of several unofficial poker games, Castleberry made valuable social connections that resulted in the town being awarded governmental contracts. Once he returned home, Castleberry converted an old fertilizer mixing plant on the grounds of his ferdery operations to a new wartime factory. He incorporated a new company named Castleberry Fern Corporation— War Industries Division to oversee the new government contracts he had received. The concrete floor of the factory had to be covered over with special maple wood flooring to prevent snagging or rubbing of the silk parachutes that would be constructed there. The company faced a $5 penalty for each ruined parachute. Castleberry hired dozens of young women to work in the factory, eventually employing over 300 people. It took one month to receive the initial job training and an additional five months before the sewers attained status as a, quote, finished operator. Material, a combination of silk and rayon, came into the plant in the form of spools and rolls. A finished parachute would be packed in a special canister that had been designed in American steel mills. Eventually, the factory went on to also produce bandoliers used by soldiers to carry ammunition and hospital tent liners that were constructed until the war ended in August 1945. Again, this has been Dr. Deborah Bauer with your Castleberry History in 90 Seconds.
1: Church Together exists to connect people together with Christ in our community, and for our city. Together is the word that defines what occurs when relationships are working well, and we want to help you make life's most important relationships work. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and find out more about our church community at www.ourchurchtogether.com. Welcome back to the show, listeners, our favorite part where we interview a very special guest. Today, our guest is a little bit different than our normal guests because he's not from Castleberry, but he's from our neighboring city of Winter Springs. Listeners, I don't know about you, but sometimes in order to get a fuller perspective on how we're doing, it's good to get some outside advice and some outside counsel. So this interview is going to be a little bit different as we learn about the perspectives that people have of our city from a community. Commissioner in Winter Springs. I would love to introduce you to Rob Elliott. And Rob, you are sitting in a commissioner's seat in Winter Springs, just across the Castlebury border. And as we chat to you, first of all, we'd like to welcome you to the show. So Welcome. Thank you. As a Castleberry foreigner, we want to embrace you as a friend in our city. The long travel across (laughs) across
3: East Lake Drive.
1: (laughs) A resident alien among us or something. (laughs) But Rob, uh, just by way of introduction, you are now sitting in a commissioner's seat in Winter Springs on the commission there. Throughout your life and career, what are some of the other seats that you have sat in that have prepared you for this seat?
2: Well, I, you know, I'd have to start with just, uh, just being a family man, being, a, being a father, being a husband, learning to deal with lots of different issues and problems which uh, tend to crop up in, in life, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in raising kids. My kids are all grown now. I'm up to five grandkids and two in the oven. In fact, one of my, my youngest daughter and her husband actually live in Castleberry, so there is a connection there, and they love where they live. So the family, I've been always been. Uh, Very involved in in my church. Been a deacon at at, uh, Willow Creek for pushing 20 years now, on and off. In my chosen career, because I have a full-time job, I work for a Fortune 500 company, and in that respect, I've managed quite a few people. I've hired, I've fired. I've also been heavily involved in things like uh, setting up multi-million dollar budgets and things like that. So the business world, as well as my experience with uh, dealing with folks either through the church or through my family, I think has given me a really good perspective on what it really means to make some of these decisions and how to go about making these types of decisions for the right reasons.
3: That's awesome, Rob. And you certainly play those those various roles and sit in those seats well. We have known each other for over a decade now and talked about the fact that our church, Willow Creek, is located really between the two communities we're gonna talk about right. today, between Castleberry and, and Winter Springs. Is as, as you Think about just the, the dynamics, you know, having lived in Central Florida in our community for a long, long time. What is your general perception as somebody who lives in the neighboring community of Winter Springs? Uh, how would you describe Castleberry, or how have you heard Castleberry described, both maybe past as well as kind of present from others?
2: The comparison with Castleberry is that it's somewhat of an, an older, more mature community. I don't mean age wise, I just mean it's it, it just seems like. So many of the uh, um, the developments and things like that are, have been there longer. Winter Springs is a, a newer community. Winter Springs is different. There, there's, I guess there's, what, seven cities in, in Seminole County, and by far Winter Springs would be the, the most residential-oriented county, whereas from a, from a tax-based standpoint, so much of our tax base comes from property taxes from residents, whereas Castleberry and so many of the other surrounding communities, it's much more of a balance with commercial. I know Castlebury, just driving through Castlebury, there's a lot of high-density development going on, a lot of apartment complexes going on going up. And when I was campaigning for, for this seat, we and and some of my fellow commissioners, we banged on about 4,000 doors. It's hard to believe, but we wow. knocked on about 4,000 doors. And almost to a T, it was in Winter Springs, it was, we don't want any more apartment complexes. We don't want any more apartment complexes. I personally have nothing really against apartments. The, the, the issue I have is, where are all those kids going to go to school? Where are all those cars going to get on our roads? It's kind of interesting as you learn more about how these processes work. So let's say a year ago, I was going to decide to build an apartment complex. And so I have to do a impact study. So I do a traffic impact study. And guess what? A year ago, there was no no cars on the road because of COVID. So you got these traffic impact studies that say, so, oh, yeah, we can handle the cars because there were no cars on the road. Well, you mm. know, things have changed. So you start learning how all this process works. And, and I think from from a standpoint of... of the way Winter Springs or me personally view Castleberry is simply just as, a, as a, a sister city. One of those cities that I go into more for restaurants and things like that, because there just aren't that many in Winter Springs.
1: Let's pick up on that, Rob. Okay. Just a kind of quick quiz. Favorite restaurant in Castleberry?
2: Well, I don't know if it's a restaurant, but it's Einstein. Einstein Brothers Bagels. We are there every Sunday after church.
3: That's uh, Andy, my podcast host's official office. That's where <laughs> he, he does there, conducts there, a lot of
2: business. There. There's no bagel place in Winter Springs in the whole dang town. It's not. I could open up an Einstein's and probably get rich, but uh, yeah. There we go. Castleberry,
1: the city with a bagel place. That's a <laughs> one zero Castleberry. That's great. The
3: other thing that stood out from what you shared a, a bit ago was just the the process of city development. We've been on with several guests talking about Castleberry, and we really are kind of landlocked. We don't have the the, the lands such as your city does, and so as a result, it's trying to be creative with the. The structures that are already in place. And so there's a lot more like redevelopment occurring. Do you, do you find uh, in your role when you're looking at kind of uh, the city as a whole and, and just working together with the other commissioners and kind of the city plan um that you're trying to sort of do this balance, this fine line of, of seeing homes be built, seeing commercial be brought in, but also trying to maintain some of that precious land that's a, a commodity?
2: You know, one of my Focuses, and I've, I've told the city of Winter Springs this: that if there's any ever, ever a chance the city can purchase land in order to keep it green, or to turn it into a park, or whatever you've got my vote. You don't even have to ask. You know you've got one commissioner's vote. We've acquired a couple of parcels just recently over by the, the Dog Park in Central Winds. We bought a piece of property there and then another piece of property over by Torcaso Park. There's other properties out there. They're very expensive. People think, oh, if I'm going to sell to the city or to, to the government, I can make a lot of money. So it's, it gets very expensive. But you know, if the city can get a hold of property and kind of... Keep it uh, for our grandkids, and so they're not growing up with just strip malls, but maybe more parks and things like that. That's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm a big fan of of mom and pop development, you know, mom and pop stores and main street type businesses. Do I want to put a uh, you know a, a huge Home Depot on 434? No, but I'd love to see an Ace Hardware. It's, that's the kind of development that that I'm leaning more towards. Uh, but it's a it's a balance. People don't realize. There's about a thousand people a day moving into Florida. You know, one of the uh, things that's occurred with with COVID is so many people work from home. Mm -hmm. Well, if I can work from home, why would I live in Chicago or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, New York or wherever? I'm going to go work from home in Florida for cost of living, better weather. So So many people are moving down here and it's just putting a, a huge strain on every city. Every city is having issues with water, with utilities, with roadways, with things like that. You can't really stop people from coming coming to Florida, but when you think there's a thousand people a day times 365 days, you're getting you know a third of a million people moving into Florida every year. That's a lot of people, and it's they got they got to drive somewhere and eat somewhere and, and drink the water and and put their kids in school and find hospitals. It's a challenge, and the cities are all all having uh, issues with it. There's a uh, something called the cup, which is the consumpt- consumptive usage permit. Now, this mm-hmm. is a permit you get from the St. John's Water Management folks saying, here's how much water you can have, Cass, or here's how much water you can have Winter Springs. Well, so many of these cities are over their cup and can't make any more water. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's putting a strain on all the cities.
1: So a cup runneth over is not a good thing in this term.
2: No, our cup um, run a it under. It's, yeah, We want our cup to run a thunder.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Two-part question, Rob. What in your opinion could the city of Castleberry learn from Winter Springs, and what could Winter Springs learn from Castleberry? I mean, I don't want to get you in any trouble with this answer as well. So, uh...
2: one of the things that uh that recently occurred, most people I would say don't know about is the 911 system in in Seminole County is primarily handled by the Sheriff's office. And every city except one was utilizing the sheriff's office for their 911 call center. The only city that was not was Winter Springs. So when we decided to look into farming out that process to the county, we got a hold of other cities, Castleberry being one of them, and saying, How's it worked out for you guys? You know, is is the service just as good? Is the response time just as good, and things like that? So, that's the kind of stuff we can learn from other cities when when we have to make the decision: were we going to sign a contract, a very expensive contract, with the sheriff's department to handle our nine one call nine one one calls? We look to other cities like Casaberry and say, "How's it working for you guys?" And of course, Casaberry said it works very well, mm-hmm. which we knew it would. And so, I mean, this was just within the last month that we signed that contract.
3: Uh neat. That's a very practical answer. And yes, I agree that that it's so nice to have friends and those in those leadership roles that are that are going back and forth and sharing uh, information. Rob, switching gears just a bit, one of the reasons we desired to have you on was you and Sarah, your wife, uh, spent time serving in our city uh, a couple several months ago. Now, I know COVID's kind of thrown a lot into the the mix here and kind of lose track of time, but we uh, served together in the neighbor-to-neighbor event where Citizens from Castleberry and the surrounding communities, as well as uh, local churches, got together, as well as businesses, and kind of cared for some homes that were in disrepair and, and kind of fixed them up. Uh, you, in particular, served in a home that was in an and Indianized neighborhood, and uh, still we walk by there and are just so thankful for the work that was done. Um, mm-hmm. How how would you describe both that the impact of that day on you, and really your desire to to pull the citizens. Uh, Uh, winter springs together to make the community the best it can be
2: i remember uh originally signing up for uh the process there in in castlebury didn't really know what we were getting into but sarah and i said yeah let's let's do it showed up that morning got assigned to a team and then next thing you know we were standing in tarzan's jungle And I'd never seen anything like it. I really hadn't. I mean, there was a humongous tree on the roof of that house. It was more overgrown than I've ever seen a house in a residential neighborhood, such as that neighborhood. It wasn't like there were a bunch of houses like that in the neighborhood. It was just, there was this humongous eyesore in the middle of this neighborhood. And you had all these folks, different backgrounds, different churches come together. You know, we had somebody that was assigned as. I guess the foreman type person but he really didn't bark out a bunch of orders or anything like that everybody just dove in and started doing what they could do and almost within minutes you could start to see see a difference everybody was working together helping each other out pitching in and when it was all done you could you could see that there was a difference not only to for the homeowner but for the neighborhood. But also you could just see that you had a bunch of people who didn't know each other that uh, came together to fix this house up and to help this neighborhood. I know there was a picture taken of, there had to have been about, well, 15 of us out there, maybe more. Mm-hmm. A picture of us all sitting on, you know, bags of trash and, and all the <laughs> stuff. And it just really made you feel really good that people are willing to come together and, and you know, work together to actually help somebody out
1: rob as you said that really was a win-win-win it was a win for those who are helping to serve, it was a win for the homeowner, it was a win for the neighborhood, and it was a win for the city as well. And I believe on that particular house, there was um, a lot of code enforcement fines uh, over six figures, and um, they were able to be removed because of the work that we did. And I think if the churches and city and businesses can work together, we can really make a difference in our community.
2: I'd like to mention, based yeah. on what you just said about the, the fines, I attend... All- almost every board meeting at the city of Winter Springs. It's just, I guess I'm a nerd like that. And so I, I, I do go to these code enforcement meetings and the city of Winter Springs, and I'm sure they're the same in in, uh, in Castleberry, they're not looking to make money off people that can't yeah. keep their property. It's just It's not the way it, it works. They yeah. bend over backwards to push off fines, to find ways to get things done. And that's what I, I liked about the process was that the city of Castleberry said... If these people are willing to come out and help these homeowners out, we're willing to step up and do what we can do, too. That's what we're trying to emulate in in Winter Springs is is the process.
1: Yeah, we really can do more together than we can do apart as well. I I know that that many folks have this misconception that... Uh, If they get a speeding ticket from the police, it's because (laughs) the policemen need to be paid. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. No one wants to find you or give you a ticket. We're just trying to hold you accountable much more than we are to to make money. And it's a similar kind of situation. So, Rob, just a couple of questions. You know, we're talking about groups working together. You're obviously very involved in the city and you're also very involved at Willow Creek as well. Just as a personal point of interest for myself, how does your faith influence your decisions as a commissioner? You know, a lot of folks would say, you know, separation of church and state, all that stuff, big believer in that, I think it's very important, but th- there must be a way that your faith influences the leadership that you extend. What What does that look like for you?
2: Kind of interesting. When commission took our seats last November, so almost a year ago, there were one re-elected commissioner, two new commissioners, me and, and Commissioner Benton, and then Two other commissioners who were incumbents who were who had two more years, they'll be up for a re-election uh, in 2022. So at, at our very first meeting, Commissioner Benton, who attends uh, the church on 434, he mm-hmm. turned around and he pointed to the city seal. And he said, see on the part at the bottom there that says, in God we trust? He says, when did the city commission stop praying before each city commission meeting? And everybody kind of looked at each other. And the consensus was, we're going to start praying before every city commission meeting. So that was kind of the start. Um, I can tell you for sure that in Winter Springs, we have five commissioners, one mayor, a city manager, and I'm not going to go any farther down the line, who are all believers. And do they wear their, their Christianity or their beliefs on their sleeve? Not necessarily. I tend to. I instituted a process where I asked the city clerk, to contact all the uh, churches in the local area. And I don't just mean Christian churches. I mean, if, if there is a synagogue, which actually there is a temple, contact all, all these faith leaders and ask them if they would be willing to pray before a city commission meeting. And so we've had, uh, you know, numerous pastors pray. In fact, you know, Drew is one of them. He was able to, to show up at one of the meetings, and he was actually the first pastor to actually turn around and face the people and pray, which— was impressive before every commission meeting I, I I say to God please be with what I say so I don't sound stupid please <laughs> please give me discernment we had a, a situation I, it, I don't want to get too involved in it but we had a, a budget item come up on on uh, the annual budget a fifty thousand dollar donation to what's called the UCF incubator I and mean, it's a program that helps small businesses get started and when I saw the fifty thousand dollars And then found out in the past it had been $75,000 a year. For enough years, it was over a million dollars we had donated this organization. And so my question was, what good has it done the people of Winter Springs? What's the return on investment for a million dollars? And the commission came real close to voting against it. In other words, the incubator was going to lose the $50,000. And we're the only city in the county that donates money. The county donates money and Winter Springs does, but none of the other cities do. And so if we had voted that night, it would have been three to f- three to two to take the money away, maybe even four to one to take the money away. And I, again, praying as I do before these meetings, I said, I need to use discernment. I said, listen, guys, instead of just saying, no, you don't get any more money. You need to go back and you need to answer these questions. And I gave them a list of like 40 questions to answer, which they had never been asked before. I actually went to the incubator and met with the, the leaders, see what the process was all about, got the 40 answers, and really learned that this incubator is a very positive influence on the Winter Springs community, on the county as a whole. I would imagine there are incubator businesses located in Castleberry right now. so. Once we learned what the process was all about, what the program really, really did for our community, we just voted five to nothing to give them the
3: $50,000.
2: So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I I pray constantly that I educate myself and and don't make decisions, Mm. you know, off the cuff decisions that could affect people um, Mm. in a negative way. And, you know, I've got, I've got little printouts of certain Bible verses. I pull them out of my folder and I set them on the desk in front of me. What's, what's also interesting is whenever we don't have a pastor to pray before the commission meeting, I'm the one that gets to pray. So I am not shy about uh, professing my Christianity.
3: Love that, Rob. Love that answer and really clear uh, evidence that we, we live out our faith just in the day to day and um, are patient. And seek to uh, control our tongue. We're just better citizens as, as a whole. I love I love your prayer to don't let me say anything stupid. I'm gonna... <laughs> I need to remind myself and pray for that. Same for all of that.
1: Same boat. I I, I pray that every Sunday morning before I get into the pulpit, don't let me say something stupid. And whenever I enter into a conversation with my wife or anything like that as well, because uh, it's a a whole lot easier to say something stupid. Rob, this has been a joy. Uh, Time has gone away from us as it always does. But in conclusion, is there a way that our listeners can connect with you if they have any questions about uh, what's happening in our sister city? of Winter Springs?
2: Best way is just to go onto the uh, the city website. Um, wintersprings.fl.org got uh, a pretty good informative website, but there's also information on how to connect with me and the mayor and the other commissioners. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the best way.
1: Rob, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate your leadership. We appreciate your insight. And we appreciate you being a guest on a podcast in a, a sister city. So thank you very much. Well, we thank you so
3: much, Rob Elliott, Commissioner of Winter Springs, for your insight, your thoughtfulness, uh, and your care for not only Winter Springs, but the surrounding community as well. Rob, it's a joy to be a friend of yours and love watching you lead uh, from the front, but really lead through service. That's something that we see again and again as being the way forward. Andy, as we close up another episode of the What's Up Castleberry podcast, you've got
1: some closing words for us yes it's my turn to bring the inspirational moment I love these words from a lady called Karen lamb she said this a year from now you may wish that you started today a year from now you may wish that that you had started today. I love that. I think this is a good reminder about the pitfalls of procrastination. You know, there's so many uh, projects on my list of things that I'd love to do one day, but the best time to start those projects that I want to do one day is is this day. Now is the time to get forward. Listen, I encourage you don't put off that thing that you want to do. Don't say no to that thing that you may need to say yes to later on. Because as Karen Lamb reminds us, a year from now, you may wish that you had started today. Wise words from Miss Lamb. Drew, just before we close, I know you're going to do the buffer at the end where we talk about how people can connect with us, but I just want to share a little text with you guys that I got from another listener this week. She says, I listened to your podcast, it was super. Your cast has the same dynamics as the NPR show Click and Clack. Did you guys ever listen to that? Not yet, but uh, check it out. I'm I'm not sure it's there. It was very popular for a while. Uh That caught my attention. You guys have great chemistry, and I wish you the very best. And I thought that was a a lovely note from a a first-time listener uh, who tuned in for the Anthony Aramandia episode.
3: Fantastic, Andy. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we hope you, listener, have enjoyed our banter, our click and clack back and forth, as it were. Uh, this has been the What's Up Castleberry podcast, a casual conversation about our community. This podcast has been produced by Robin keppy For more information, please check out our website, Facebook page, Instagram feed, or podcast feed, all with the name What's Up Castleberry. The best thing you can do is like and subscribe to the podcast podcast podcast. So you'll make sure to get a new episode every week and give us a five star rating and review until next time. Have a great week.